The following content has been rated for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent and angry. Welcome to The Squonk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Mo. And I'm Kraken. I didn't murder anyone on vacation, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a good thing. I'd be a little concerned if you did. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, we ready to jump in. Welcome on in, guys, to a new episode of The Squonk and the Hag. Uh, time is a wibbly wobbly thing, so this is my first episode back from vacation, even though an episode is releasing this week that we recorded before I went on vacation, but I didn't edit it until I got back from vacation. Yeah, that, that all checks out. Mm hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you get to uh, you get to come back to, from vacation to a wonderful Krakow tale that has a twist ending. Oh, great, great! <sighs> it's just it's the cherry on top of my night, to be honest. Because mm -hmm. I so we went on vacation, we got back, and Chris is now sick. Oh no. Well, everybody in the family, except me and one of our nephews, is already sick. And I have a feeling I'm probably going to get sick. So Chris is sick. He has been, you know, just sleeping and mm -hmm. all that today. So, like, I made him soup and then I was like, I don't want soup. So mm, I was like, soup. I'll just... <laughs> I do love soup, but I'm not in a soup mood today. That's so fair. I was like... I'm going to run a Little Caesars. It's hot. It's ready. Let's go. Bro, I haven't had a Little Caesars in a while. Well, we have one that's like a two minute drive from the house. So it's like right there. And I was like, oh, okay. Two minute drive. I'm going to zip in, grab something hot and ready, zip back. Good to go. Because I realized this is like six and we record at seven. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. okay, okay, okay. So I'm driving and there's a detour. So then I detoured. And then I'm driving, and there's another detour. So I detoured, and it took me three times as long to get there. I walk in, and nothing was hot nor ready. So I had to wait for a pizza. You gotta love it when the hot and ready is not hot nor ready. <laughs> yeah, well, and the where this is, it's like on a corner, it shares a location with like other stores and stuff like that and it's at this weird intersection so it's always a bitch to get out of there no matter what and there was a car coming the opposite direction into the parking lot while I was trying to exit so I tried to scoot over so they didn't hit me because they were over the line and I hit the curb and broke a side panel off of my car and then had to stick it in the back seat, but it was too big, so I had to open the window and have it hanging out the side of my car. So then I can't... Wait, like a whole, like, massive side panel? So, you know, like, there's, there's the what? doors, and then underneath there's, like, a six-inch strip that makes your car look, like, lower yeah. or whatever. It's that six-inch strip yeah. from tire to tire. <laughs> Bruh. So, so, I come home and walk in the door with a pizza and breadsticks and a two liter soda and this giant piece of fiberglass car part. And Chris is like, what happened? That was the most Mo story that I have ever heard. And honestly, I don't think we need to record an episode now because I can't follow that. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. That was, that's going to be it for the episode. <laughs> We're doing a mini-sode. Or at least you're okay. <laughs> and it wasn't like a serious thing. And I didn't hit another car or anything. Like yeah. I just, I hit a curb and yanked a chunk of my car off. I mean, it still sucks, but 
you know, it could have been a lot worse, so... Well, and Chris thinks he can reattach it. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like that bad. Yeah, but I'm like... A little bit of super glue, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I have plenty of super glue. I have hot glue, I got duct tape. I mean, we it's gonna look horrible, but oh, yeah, I, got, I got it. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so... Duct tape is the style now, it's fine. Yeah! So that has been my evening since I finished work. It has been a very eventful <laughs> evening. And now we have a crocodile. Uh, but yeah, I... Um, you were talking about the detours and you were like, I turned and then there was another detour and then I detoured and then there was another detour. So I was just like, can you imagine if someone just went out and took the detour signs and like made them like loop around the block and like everyone who <laughs> followed the detour signs was just making a big circle? <laughs> It's like, hmm, I passed that house already. Like, wait a minute. But yeah, I'm I'm actually, I think because I just got back from vacation, it's not affecting me like it normally would have. Like, normally I probably would still be sitting in that intersection crying. Mm -hmm. uh, but, <laughs> like, nah, I'm laughing it off and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, we, uh, we had a really good time. Um, so, we went down to... For the people who don't know, you know this. Uh, we went down to Orlando to Disney because Chris has two little nephews. Um, they're eight and ten, so they're perfect Disney age. So Chris's mm -hmm. parents are like, we want to take the whole family down and just do a week down there in Disney um, when the boys are at a good age. So they, um, they, they paid for quite a bit of it which was amazing. Like we had to pay for our flight and we had to pay for like Ubers and things like that, but they paid for the hotel. Basic travel stuff. Yeah, well, they um they treated us to the hotel and then part of the package that they got, we got $900 in food credits for the week. Nice. So, yeah, we got to eat like horribly delicious food. Like I sent I sent you pictures of the the prime rib. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and like, it was so good. And Chris was excited because we stayed at the old Key West resort. So it's like, you know, boat and seafood themed, like beachy and stuff like that. And he loves seafood. And I guess the last night we were down there, he was so, he was like, cause it was hotter than Satan's armpit down there. But he, um, he's like, I don't feel that great. The heat got to me. I'm not super hungry, but I'll come with. And, you know, we'll sit down and still eat and everything. And then the waitress came out. And she's like, so we have this blackened fish with uh, Brussels sprouts and basically and grits. And like every single item on that dish is something that he loves. And I'm like, this dish was made for you. And it was so exactly <laughs> it was so funny because he's like, I'm not hungry. And he got this anyway. And he cleaned the plate. <laughs> I'm like, so you weren't I hungry. Mean... Here lately, my hunger cues have just been, oh, I'm starting to get a headache, but I don't feel hungry, so I mean... Yeah, I get like that sometimes, too. It sucks, but... Yeah, that's just started recently. I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, but you know what? I'm, I can make it work. Yeah. Well, if something, if something goes wrong, go to the doctor. Yes. But yeah, so we had... Yeah, we, we had a really great time. I, um... I went on the dinosaur ride... At, at Animal Kingdom and they have a Carno skeleton and they have a T-Rex skeleton and they have a Triceratops head and they had a Pterodon skeleton and and then you go on this ride and it has the animatronic dinosaurs and it was great. I think I can tell what ride was your favorite. <laughs> I, I, we actually didn't go on a ton of like ride rides um, because... We, you know, we've we've been to Disney before, like as kids. When you you mm -hmm. do the rides, when you do Space Mountain, and you do the teacups and all that stuff. So we went more. We were like the old people. So that was like the one. Y'all went for the food. Yeah, we did. Um, that like that was the big like exciting ride that we went on. Um, we didn't do any of the coasters. We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. But, like, we did the safari at Animal Kingdom. And we did uh, Spaceship Earth at Epcot. And then, like, my favorite thing, uh, we moseyed around the countries at Epcot. We just, like, took our time. And sometimes, we like, it was, like, a cool, chill 
like music and view. We would sit for a little while and just like drink water and stuff like that. And we like went in the shops and I took like a bajillion pictures of the architecture and all that stuff. And as one does. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you, I am so inspired for D&D terrain. I have so many plans, so many plans. I I just recently bought a physical copy of the Dungeon Master's handbook and the art in that book has already gotten me inspired to wanting to start making more yes. things for a campaign, so... Yeah, sometime we're going to have to do a video call. I have a book that Chris got for me years ago when I was playing World of Warcraft, and it's the art of Blizzard. And it is just Ooh. concept art. Sorry, I just knocked... Just fucked a thing of chapstick over. Um, it's concept Fine. art, character art. Um, they have like landscapes and all this stuff. So like, I have to do a call with you. Like, it's this huge hardcover like coffee table book, and it's just mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, but I will say that one. Uh, so one of my favorite like aesthetics, architecture, visuals, and everything at Epcot was Morocco, mm -hmm. and. Um, it has, you know, that, that like, you know, kind of almost Middle Eastern feel. It has, like, the yeah. the beautiful mosaics and just, like, these gorgeous buildings. Did it also have, like, those open-air markets and stuff? Yes, yes. And um, Love that. one of the cities in the D&D &D campaign is going to have that vibe because mm -hmm. it's, like, um, kind of close to the equator of the world mm -hmm. so it's gonna have like this very cool like moroccan vibe to it and I'm it's funny really because sad. i have one city in my campaign that's gonna be similar it's more caribbean though oh i can't wait because i've got one that's more open air and stuff but then the other <sighs> one is definitely leaning more tropical caribbean oh that's awesome that's awesome i can't wait i cannot wait I've mashed a lot of stuff into this, but surprisingly it works. That's awesome. That's so good. I love it. Uh, but yeah, so if you can't tell, I had a great time. I built a droid. Who who, who allowed you to do this? <laughs> it's it's at um, Star Wars Galaxy Edge. You, you pay them money, and then it's so cool. Um, I was so excited. I only took a couple pictures in there, <laughs> but like it, it is like a robot workshop. Ooh. in Star Wars. Uh, so it has like that, that gritty, dirty vibe yeah. and all this stuff. And then um, like in the ceiling, it has like hanging conveyor belts. So there's like legs and arms like dangling. Um, and then there, there's all these like busted up droids that are like decommissioned or being worked on and stuff like that all over the place. And then you like, you obviously have to go in and you have to pay. And then they have this um, conveyor belt and it's just robot parts and you just pick and choose they have different colors and stuff like that they have three different models they have a like an an r unit like r2d2 they have a bb unit like bb8 mm -hmm. and then they have a chopper unit which is actually what i got which is in the new Ash ashoka ashaka i can never say it right i've always said ahsoka but that's probably wrong too i thought there was an h in there i never say it right but uh I don't say anything right, so... I know, I know. Uh, so I got a chopper unit, and I named him Chop Suey. Nice. Um, <laughs> but you go and you, like, pick the parts, and they have different colors and all this different stuff, and you configure what you want, and then you take it to a station, and they have, like... Um, it's it's an electric screwdriver, but it looks very Star Wars-y. Mm -hmm. And um, you go and you put it together, and then you put it in this little bay, and you hit the buttons and you initialize him. And then uh, once he's born, he you, you bring it out, and then you have the remote control, and you get to test it out, make sure everything worked. And then um, you you get a droid. And I got the, the bundle with this really cute backpack mm -hmm. that has a zipper compartment that you... It's like... No, it's, a, it's a panel. So you unzip it and fold it down, and you can see his little face. <laughs> That's amazing. It's so it was so great. It was so great, and um, I. Can you imagine what kind of droid I would make if I went in oh there? God, it have like three heads and no legs. Um, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna use the BB-8 model since it's like a little ball, and I'm gonna call it uh, YE3T or Yeet for short. And. Oh God. <sighs> 
We're just going to start with that, and then I'll figure the rest oh, out. Oh, God. Well, um, one of the funniest things of the day that we went to, that's at Hollywood Studios. Chris is like, all right, we're going to go to Star Wars Galaxy Edge. I'm wearing a Star Trek t-shirt. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, same. It's such a Chris thing. No, no. You know what I'm going to do? No, if if, if I, because it's, I haven't been to Disney World except when I was a teeny tiny little child. So I don't really remember anything there. So if I ever get the chance to go back to Disney World, I'm going to get either a custom made shirt or I'm going to find one of uh, like um, Dumbledore on the front. And it's going to say, uh, live long and prosper. And then from like who said it, it's going to say Gandalf. And then I'm going to wear that. Uh, you're the worst. Yes, I know. It's kind of my thing. <laughs> ah, but yeah, so like I'm feeling really good. And what's really exciting, what's really stupidly exciting is every year I um, so my birthday is always right around Labor Day. And uh, we get Labor Day off of work as a holiday. And our company gives us one free vacation day for our birthday. So I take my birthday week off every year because I can get the whole week off and only use three vacation days. So uh, that's next week. <laughs> so nice. I went Fair on vacation enough. for a week. I came back to work for a week and now I'm going on vacation for a week. And I'm not. I'm. Um, yeah, that, that checks out. Yeah. And I'm uh, it's a staycation this time. So I'm just going to stay and it's, it's still a vacation oh it's very much vacation and i very much need it um i so day one down in florida i was like oh it's hot i'm gonna wear sandals and i have these really comfortable leather sandals that um like they have nice padding to them and all this stuff well i didn't think that sweat on the bottom of your feet against leather is going to rub and chafe and cause gigantic blisters on the bottom of my feet. So I like nursed it through and was able to like go through the rest of the vacation with minimal pain. But, um, but yeah, I, I still have these giant, like they're healing, but I am going mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time with my feet up. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't have thought about the whole leather thing either. I wouldn't have thought about that either. So yeah, so, well, so for the rest of the week, I wore socks and sneakers, even though normally I wouldn't wear those with a sundress. Uh, like, I had, like, a lot of cute little sundresses and flowy, mm -hmm. airy, whatever. And um, normally I would not wear sneakers and socks with those, but I was like, I don't care how this looks. My feet hurt. I mean, that that's a thing. I've seen people do that before, and, like, it, it works. Yeah, I and Chris was like, nobody is going to look at what you're wearing. Nobody is going to care. And I was like, yeah, but I care. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, and, and that's all that matters. And you know this because we FaceTimed you, but we got to have dinner with Sunder and Bean. Yeah, we need to find another time to do this, uh, this Disney trip all over again. But like with me and Bobo involved and like all of us go to Disney World together and just try not to get thrown out of the park. So remember how I said how we had like a chill sort of laid back experience? Yes, we, you have your chill laid back experience. So then we can go back with me and Bobo involved and then it will not be chill or laid back. You know what? I think I'm just gonna hang out at the resort. It's okay. We can party at the resort too. It's fine. <laughs> You're gonna get us thrown out of a Disney resort, aren't you? I'm gonna try not to. <laughs> Anyway, um, apologies to anyone listening for the tangent. We have not gotten into the story yet, but... Um, this is fine. It happens. Yeah, Honestly, it's to be expected at this point. Yeah, we got caught up. Yeah, it'd be fine. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, Krako, it's a Krako mm -hmm. Tale week. Yes. Yes, it is. And I, I do want to... Uh, this is one I need to put a warning at the beginning... There may be some things involving children in this, so if that is something that is a no-no for some people, maybe check out the Bunyip episode and then... I feel like from here on out, basically anytime we tell a horrible story, we're just going to be like, if this isn't your thing, go listen to the Bunyip. Yeah, because honestly, I think that's the most tame thing that we have done on this show so far. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. 
No, but t- today we're not talking about something uh, nice and kind. We're we're talking about a man named Ken McElroy, or as he was most commonly known, he was the town bully of Skidmore, Missouri. How bad do you have to be to be the town bully? Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, because like usually you hear about like it- oh there was uh you know the high school bully or something like that, but no, this guy bullied the town. Yeah, it makes a little more sense when you realize that this town was extremely small, and it was so small that they didn't actually have a police department in this town. They just had the county sheriff. So, yeah. Ken McElroy, he was born on June 1st, 1934, to a poor farming couple named Tony and Mabel. They had kind of moved around a bit from, uh, I think it was Kansas, between Kansas and the Ozarks, And then they finally settled down in Missouri in Skidmore. McElroy was the 15th out of 16 children. Was that a typo? No, that is not a typo. Tony and Mabel had 16 children. uh, McElroy was the 15th. Holy crap. That's a lot of kids. That's that's like like a kindergarten. Basically, yeah. So besides having a lot of siblings, he had a pretty normal childhood as far as I could find. I couldn't find a whole lot about his early life, but what I could gather, it was nothing, nothing major or disturbing happened. One thing that people think led to his behavior that we're going to talk about is, and I found two different things, so I'm not quite sure which one is accurate here, but apparently he, when he was young, he was riding on a hay wagon and he fell off and hit his head and the injury was apparently so severe that he had to have a metal plate oh, wow. put in his head. But another source said that the injury was from him working on a construction site and apparently a steel beam fell on him. Well, I'm not sure which one of those is accurate there, but I found those two things. So so I will say the hay wagon sounds more realistic to me because... My dad works in welding and fabrication, mm-hmm. and he had a steel beam, it was a steel I-beam, fall on his foot, and it shattered all of the bones in his foot. Yeah, those steel I-beams are not small. If one of those fell on you, your head, it's going to be a little worse than than just a metal plate. But I wanted to include both, just because I wasn't sure which one, but even though you are right, the hay, hay wagon sounds more more accurate but yeah like it it is possible like maybe it just like sideswiped him or something like that but um a a a steel beam is a lot yeah and also the hay wagon is more plausible because i couldn't find anything about what he did for work other than he hunted raccoons that's a job yeah (laughs) I guess he hunted the raccoons and sold the raccoon fur, I guess. I But only raccoons. From from what I gathered, that was what he did. He was he was a hunter. Huh. Yeah. Specifically it was mainly raccoons. I'm assuming he hunted other things like deer as well, but like the main thing was it really emphasized that he hunted raccoons. That tells you anything about where we're going with this. This is definitely a cracko tale. Uh-huh. Ken was also illiterate and he dropped out of school in the eighth grade. And this is where his his life kind of got interesting. As I said, he started out hunting raccoons to make money. But then that escalated to petty crimes like cattle rustling, grain theft, alcohol theft, gasoline, and antique theft. He stole a lot of things. I hope they didn't all go together in something like... Uh, the antiques covered in gasoline, alcohol, and grain to make some sort of weird, crazy thing. Or the cattle that he rustled. For the cattle that he rustled. What is cattle rustling? Is that just when you, like, disturb the cow? Stealing livestock. Oh, that's stealing li- So he- Man stole someone's cows or chickens or pigs or something. He stole livestock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He went from hunting raccoons <laughs> to stealing livestock. And if it makes it any better, I did include a photo of him in the notes. Man had some amazing mutton chops. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So, but unfortunately, these petty crimes escalated into things like assault, 
arson, and even child molestation and statutory rape. <sighs> I know it is very common for criminals, especially serial offenders, to escalate, but it doesn't it doesn't make it any less worse knowing that. Yeah, no, I I sighed several times writing this, so Oh god. So with all of these crimes, you you might have the question now like why wasn't he in jail? Yeah, that's a good it's a really like when you when you start saying more felonies. Mm-hmm. He had charges brought against him twenty-one times. Uh oh. But he was never convicted. What? Just twenty-one charges brought or twenty-one times he had various charges brought against him for just whatever it was he was doing, whether he assaulted someone, stole something, whatever he did. He had charges brought against him 21 times, but he was never convicted because he had a habit of intimidating witnesses. Of course. While out on bond. Of course he did. Why why would anything else be the truth? He would either follow them around or he would park outside their house and just watch them. Just making sure they knew that he was watching them. Well, I'm not sleeping tonight. Yeah. And his uh, his defense attorney, Richard McFadden, even said in an interview, um, he was the best client I ever had. He was punctual, always said he didn't do it, paid in cash, and kept coming back. He paid his attorney in cash? Yeah, he, like, this man was basically a ghost. He had, did not have a social security card. He didn't have any documents. Like, there was, there, he had no physical records of his existence, basically. Oh, my God. So, like, he didn't have credit cards or anything like that like he he just did everything in cash and he had no documents proving like who he was or anything i don't as far as i'm aware i guess hunting raccoons was pretty uh pretty good huh mm, yeah i'm sure all of that money just came from hunting raccoons and it wasn't illegally acquired in any way oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure uh-huh, uh-huh. it is also worth noting that Mc, mcfadden even said that he represented mcelroy against a different felony arrest about three or four times a year Holy Holy shit! Yeah. Huh. McElroy also had a total of ten children with several different women. This family is out of control. I don't, like, I'm trying to figure out a family tree, and I don't fit, feel like it would fit on a poster board. Yeah. Like. It's a family forest. Either that, either people's pictures gotta be real tiny, and you gotta be right, real small. <sighs> like, this makes me think of the, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the infographic about how many kittens one cat can have. I don't think I have. It's a lot. I think it's like uh, one. I'm sure one single cat can end up leading to hundreds of thousands of cats because they have ba- like if you don't get them fixed, they have babies and their babies 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 have babies. Um, yeah, and it's not like one cat has one kitten; it's several kittens. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they can have anywhere from like one to ten, maybe something like that. Like usually, I see like four or five, but like they, I've seen. Some cats have had, like, pretty big litters. So, yeah. That's a lot of cats. It's a lot of cats, and it feels like that's a lot of McElroy's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in 1971, he met his last wife, Trina. Trina McLeod. Um, whom he raped repeatedly. Um, it doesn't make it any better that... He met her when she was 12 and he was 35. That, hmm. He literally could be her father. Yeah. And um, later on, at age 14, Trina became pregnant and at that point decided to drop out of school and go live with McElroy and his current wife, Alice. His what now? Yeah. But during a doctor's visit, the topic of domestic abuse came up also with the charges of molestation But McElroy had a plan. Uh, He learned that there was a loophole to get out of those charges. Why am I not surprised that a guy like this would find a loophole? Mm Mm-hmm. He learned that if he and Trina were to get married, Trina would not be able to testify against him. And then since she was the only witness, there's no evidence for a conviction. I hate this guy. Yeah. So when McElroy found found out about that loophole, he decided to divorce Alice and marry Trina. Understandably, her parents were not happy with this. Uh, you think? He decided to coerce them into agreeing to this marriage by shooting the family dog and burning down their house. I think I just blue screen. Yeah, 
I'm, uh, yeah, I kind of blue screened a few times too. Hey. Because that's, that's a way to convince someone. No! Today's the day we break Mo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So eventually when Trina gave birth to a boy, uh, at this point she decided that she wanted to escape from Ken. So with the help of his ex-wife, Alice, Trina made it back to her parents' place. But it didn't take long for McElroy to realize what had happened and track them down and then force Trina to come back home with him. Then he returned to the McLeod home to once again shoot the new family dog and burn down the house again. It only goes downhill from here, so I'm just, just fair warning. I feel like you made this story up. Like, this... It sounds like it, and I wish I did, but boy, I didn't. Like, the... This is... Yeah. This is not how humans do things. No, no, it's not. So now, after doing that twice, in 1973, McElroy was facing charges of arson, assault, and statutory rape because Trina finally came forward to the police and presented all of this evidence to them. So they were like, okay, loophole aside, we need to do something about this. Yeah. So to keep her safe, her and the baby were relocated to a foster home in a nearby town of Maryville. But he didn't stop there. That wasn't going to stop him. Uh, Yeah, I don't think short of like chaining him to a wall, he's going to stop. Well, his pro- the problem was he kept getting out on bail. <sighs> They He never really went to jail and they didn't hold him there. And you think they would have learned after at least like the first time. But he always got out on bail and being on bail didn't stop him. Also, I'm just so I'm I'm I, I try to follow along with the notes, but I don't like read ahead mm-hmm. usually. But um, I see you put in 2023 and it is two zero two zero three. I don't know what you're talking about, but I I, uh, went to a little inflation calculator so I could see what like, because there was a lot of numbers in this. So I was like, I want to calculate what it would, what that, these numbers would be today. So with those charges, he was released on a $2,500 bail. Today, that would be $17,212.33. Now, did he pay his own bail with like the totally not legit money or did... I never saw anything about who got him out, so I'm assuming he had the money, or that, or his lawyer helped get him out, or something. I'm that that part wasn't clear, so okay. I'm assuming he paid his own bail and got out. Gotcha. So being out on bail, what does he decide to do? McElroy decides to stalk Trina and her foster family. Did he? Please tell me there were no more dogs. No, no, thankfully. Thank. Thank God. He would sit in his car outside their home for hours, and he even planned to kidnap the foster family's biological daughter while she waited for the school bus so that he could trade her for Trina. The hell? But, thankfully, he never did that. um, And despite all of those charges... The state failed to convict him. What? I looked through all my sources. I couldn't find a reason for them failing to convict him, but something didn't go through right, and he was not convicted. Oh, I mean, either he had a really good defense attorney, which is possible, or the Mm. state's case wasn't strong. You know, they have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And yeah, but you know they could they could probably like they could prove the arson and all of that because I mean like you can't really cover up a burnt down house, but I mean yeah. So the other thing that could have happened is maybe there was mishandled evidence or um, evidence got thrown out, um, and you know if it's thrown out, the jury doesn't see it. And yeah, that's still that's awful. Like this is, I think it's so interesting how many cases you look at like. Um, Dahmer and Bundy and um, a lot of the big name serial killers and stuff out there and serial offenders, how they just stay out of jail somehow. Somehow they wiggle through the system and then they just continue doing these horrible things. It's horrible. 
that's the thing about this guy was like as soon as it's almost like he got out on bail and the second he walked out of the courthouse he was right back at it he didn't like lay low for a little bit or anything it was just immediately like nothing had happened that's messed up and after all of this he would go on to convince Trina to move back in with him again hey so unfortunately <laughs> she was kind of stuck in that situation that's horrible yeah Kraken, I don't like this. I don't know how the laws were on... I don't, I don't know how the laws were on, like, age and marrying and stuff like that, but, like, you think they would have done something about that, but... I don't like it. I guess there wasn't much they could do. If I start crying, can we turn around and go back? Maybe. So, it's kind of weird saying this, because you don't know the ending yet, but we'll get there. But, like, I don't know if you're going to be happy about the ending, or if you're going to be just confused about the ending. I, I don't... We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. So, later on, on July 27th, 1976, a local farmer named Romaine Henry claimed that McElroy had shot him twice with a shotgun after the two got into an argument over McElroy shooting guns on Romaine's property. Apparently he was out there hunting on his property and firing guns, and he wasn't happy about that, so he told him to leave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and McElroy, McElroy wasn't happy about being told to leave and being told what to do in general, so he fired a shotgun at him. I... <sighs> thankfully, it didn't kill him. Yes, thankfully. Obviously, because he brought forth the charges on it and everything. Yeah, but it's like... It's if it's someone's property, you can't just go on there and shoot guns. Like he thought he could. Obviously. Ugh. So with that, he was charged again, this time with assault with intent to kill. But he was again released while the courts processed the case, and according to Romaine, in the following months while they were processing the case, McElroy had been parking outside his house over a hundred times. Oh my god. And surprise, surprise, he was able to escape prison once again with the help of his lawyer, uh, despite the testimony and two separate witnesses confirming that it was McElroy who shot at Romaine. Because uh, according to a judge, McElroy found out where some of the jury members lived and put rattlesnakes in their mailboxes. How does that happen? Like, I know it does. I just don't understand... I, uh, uh. Like, everyone was, like, <sighs> did not want to testify against this man. They want, People wanted nothing to do with him. Yeah. It was kind of a thing that if you saw him around town and he was on your property or something, it's best to just lock your door and let him do whatever he's going to do. Huh. Because it's, it's kind of better than what he, he might do to you, apparently. Huh. Whew. Okay. As you can imagine, the townsfolk are getting a little upset with this man not going to jail. Sometime in 1980, Trina took one of McElroy's daughters from a, another a previous marriage. Uh, her name was Tonya, um, to a grocery store. And it wasn't long before Trina and the shopkeepers, 70-year-old Ernest Bo Bowencamp and his wife Lois, were in an argument over whether Tanya had attempted to steal a piece of candy. And Lois was trying to calm things down and be like, it was just a misunderstanding, it's, it's fine, it was just a piece of candy. And they were just going to let it go. But McElroy offered Lois money to fight Trina. Hold up. McElroy didn't want to let it go. He wanted to pay an elderly woman to physically fight his... Yes. Young wife. The offer was obviously declined. Obviously. But still. Huh. Okay. So he didn't, no, nothing happened right then besides the offer of money for a fight. So everyone kind of went their separate ways of this, but McElroy wasn't over it. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't going to forgive the couple who accused his, his child of being a thief. So he began stalking them as he does. Huh. <sighs> At their store and at home, he would often just, again, park out front to make sure they knew he was watching them. And he even fired his shotgun into the air multiple times. Lord. Mm-hmm. This dude's a piece of work. So here's where things kind of boiled over. 
Uh-oh. A little while later, Bo was out back waiting for an air-conditioned engineer. He was outside on the loading dock behind the store, and McElroy showed up with a shotgun, which he used to shoot at Bo, and it, he was using buckshot, so it was little small pellets, so mm-hmm. it only grazed him in the neck, and he survived. Well, that's good. Yeah, th- thankfully, he I, I never saw anything where he actually killed anyone. I mean... He tried. Small miracles? Yeah. So after that, he went back to trial, but it was for a simple assault, not assault with intent to kill. How was that not assault with intent to kill? He shot him in the neck. I know. I, I'm, I, there was no reason given for why it was just classified as assault, but I, I agree it should have been with intent to kill, because... I feel like that's kind of what he had in mind when he fired a shotgun at someone. Yeah, yeah, like you don't fire a gun at a person. Exactly. The, there's there's nothing after that. You just don't fire a gun at a person. Exactly. This guy. Mm-hmm. So he had his long trial, and he was finally convicted and given a two-year sentence, but... Oh, God, there's always a but. He was released on a $40,000 bond. Today, that would be $148,393.69. He only got out on bond because his lawyer had appealed the conviction and they had to wait for the appeal to go through. We all know what happens when this man gets out on bond. Bad things? Yeah. As soon as he was released, he went into a local bar. It was called the DNG Tavern with an M1 Garand rifle complete with bayonet on the end. And he loudly told everyone in the bar that uh, he announced in gruesome detail how he was going to get his revenge on Bo. Oh, my. For trying to get him arrested. God. And for all of this. But he didn't do anything when he walked in and did this. He basically just walked in, said all of this, and sat down at the bar for a drink. He just wanted to kind of show everyone that he was serious, I guess, or something. I didn't. It was just more for show than anything when he walked in there, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, but he had a freaking rifle with a knife on the end. Yeah. yeah. And the one I included in the photo was just for an example. That's just one that I found that wasn't the actual yeah. one used, but... Yeah, but it's it's a rifle with a freaking knife on the end. Yeah. So after a little bit of coercing... The, a sheriff's deputy managed to get several witnesses to agree to testify against McElroy to finally try to lock him away. And some of the townsfolk even had it arranged that the witnesses would be escorted into the hearing so that they, they would have, like, around-the-clock protection. Well, that's good, finally. Because they were very hesitant to agree. Well, yeah. It took a lot of convincing to get them to agree to do this. Yeah. But McElroy's lawyer made everyone else angry because he got the hearing postponed. Of course he did. I feel like this is one of those, like, stereo, like, when they always talk about, like, the the oily, slippery snake lawyers, like, in TV and stuff like that. Uh-huh. That's I exactly fe- what I picture, too. Yeah, I feel like it's based on this guy. Like, he's, he, he knows his client is guilty and horrible, but he doesn't care, and he gets him out, and he, he weasels his way through. That's the thing, too, is, like, I know your job is to represent people as a lawyer, and that's how you make your money, but, like, at some point, do you have to, like, look at the person you're representing and, like, no, I can't, I can't do this? Well, I think, you know, when you make the de- the decision to go into defense versus prosecution, you know, you go in with the mindset of... Yeah, that's just a weird one for me. So... After all of this, the townspeople on July 10th, 1981, the townspeople have decided that they were going to do something about this. They, they'd had enough of this. Like, he's, he's getting away with too much. So a lot of them gathered at the Legion Hall with the county sheriff, Dan Estes, to discuss what they could do and how they could defend themselves. And during this meeting, McElroy and Trina drove into town and went into the tavern to go have a drink. And... McElroy was advised by his lawyer that he needed to stay out of town for a while. But, of course, he's not going to listen. Yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't seem like the type of guy who listens when he's told to do something. No. And being a small town, I'm sure you can imagine, word travels fast. Soon, all these people who were at this meeting heard that he's in town. 
So the sheriff had advised them to not confront him, but to instead form like a neighborhood watch and kind of help each other out in staying away from him and just avoiding him pretty much. And after the meeting was over, Estes left town in his police car and all the people who were still at Legion Hall, it was about 46 people or so, they all agreed to head over to the tavern as a large mob. Did they have pitchforks and torches? Almost. So they all went into the bar, they filled the bar up, and nothing happened. They all just kind of made it seem like they were just going in there to have a drink or anything. You know, they were all just kind of going in and doing their own, just minding their business. While they were inside, eventually McElroy and Trina left the building. And according to Trina, when they left, a large number of the people in the bar followed them outside. Oh, no. Trina got in the passenger seat, and as McElroy sat down in the driver's seat, uh, gunfire erupted. And McElroy was shot and killed by at least two gunmen. I I don't like that I'm going to say this, but I'm surprised it was only two. It's only two that we know of, because there were there were. But like I was expecting like forty six. Yeah, the reason we only know of two gunmen is because out of around forty six witnesses, no one called an ambulance and no one claims to have seen a thing. So it was vigilante justice. That's that's why this one is unsolved, because they don't know who pulled the trigger. No one was ever convicted for this. Oh, wow. Because no one wanted to say who did it. Yeah. Trina was the only one who claims to have been able to identify a gunman, because apparently uh, she looked in the rearview mirror about that time she saw someone raising a gun, and that's when she shouted, they've got guns, but it was too late at that point. Oh, wow. And out of all the shell casings that were found, apparently where they were located, that put one shooter behind McElroy's truck, and the other one was about a half a block down the street. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even close range, like... No, because they found... Someone uh, was... High-powered rifle casings and small, uh, what could be either like a varmint rifle or a small handgun casings. Oh. So that's that's the only evidence they found was of two. There could have been more, but the individual that Trina had named as the shooter was not convicted because there wasn't much evidence that he did it other than, other than her saying that it was him. Because no other witnesses, mm -hmm. no other, there were no other witness statements. No one wanted to come forward and say who did it. Yeah. Because they all were, they all just said, as soon as the gunfire erupted, I ducked. I didn't see anything and all of this. They had some excuse as to why they didn't see anything. Yeah. And it may not be an excuse. They may have really not seen anything, but. Yeah, but they were probably just happy to have everything over with. Like, I, I hate to say it that way because a loss of life is never yeah. a good thing. But and had he not had that postponed, and he had he actually went to jail at that point, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But they felt that that was the only thing they could have done. Yeah, because he just kept getting like, you were saying three or four felonies a year. Yeah. And then he was just getting out of all these things, just terrorizing them. So I could see them literally being fearful for their lives. So I'm not justifying this. I'm not saying they should have done this, but Yeah, right. You know, at that point they were just like they were out of options. Well, and the people who didn't shoot were probably just they just, you know, it was just over and it was like that that weight lifted off their shoulders, so they just kept shut, kept quiet. Yeah. But as I said, uh Trina uh ended up eventually taking the one that she identified as a shooter, along with the town mayor and the county sheriff to court on a uh, wrongful death suit on July 9th, 1984. But no one admitted guilt, and they eventually just settled out of court for $17,600, or $51,782.11. The only reason they settled out of court was just to avoid the legal costs if they continued yeah. with the trial. I'm, I'm surprised. Now, I do know that uh, victims of abuse there there is a psychological component that could explain her doing this but you know after everything he did to her for her to you know go after them for a wrongful death suit is a little surprising because like she was she tried so many times to escape and she was finally free yeah I guess she was in the mindset that, like, yeah, he did all this bad stuff, but I'd rather see him in prison than someone killing him. True. 
but um that's all i have but there uh i did want to mention because i did include it um i did use some of it for my notes uh there is a book about this that has a bit more detail in it it's uh in broad daylight by harry n mclean he wrote like a whole book with like witness accounts and judge statements and all sorts of stuff so there's like a whole lot more details in there than what i went over but cracko getting fancy now with books yes did it have pictures in it <laughs> unfortunately no Ugh, this is yeah i can see exactly what you meant now like i get i don't ever like a loss of life yeah. on any account um mm -hmm. like this but oh that man was a monster and with the uh the photos that i included in the notes but the last two you can you can tell how small the town was because the last one the uh the little white building that was the tavern it was just like a little shed. I was going to say, it looks like a little, yeah. like a trailer. That's it. That's so tiny. I can't remember the po what, what it said the population was for this town, but it was like extremely low. It was just like a little small farming town. Yeah. Well, you know, it. the city hall is, I think, smaller than my house, and I do not have a big house. So that should tell you. Yeah. Well, thank you for the story. You're welcome. Guess I don't need to sleep tonight. Probably not. Some Tylenol might help, though. Well, I took Advil right before we started recording. <laughs> I, I don't know why I always say Advil when I know it's Tylenol. You mean the other way around? Or, yeah. Other yeah. way around, yes. I don't know why I say Tylenol when I know it's Advil. I don't know, but like I've gotten to the point that on Krakotail weeks, I just preemptively take it. That's fair. Because who knows what I will have found. Yeah. Although, I will say, now you threw me a little bit for a loop, because... The Bunyip story, you know, I, I didn't need the Advil. This one, I definitely did. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep them guessing. <gasps> Serpentine. Will this one be a nice, calm story, or this one, or will this one require me to schedule an extra therapy session? Yeah, that's very accurate of Krakotails, but you did a good job, my little dude. And, um, yeah, thank you for the story. And thank you guys for listening. I hope uh, you enjoyed, and we will see you next week. As always, make sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com. And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. All right, Krakow, you ready? Okay, bye.